Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline. It's 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. As usual, the first segment of each hour is certainly open. Most of the second, the first two of the second hour will be open. We'll be having our weekly conversation with Koki Riley on Wednesday. And obviously we've got some breaking news with Walker Howard going to Ole Miss to discuss. But also, I, 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 the, the whole I, there's just so many things about the whole transfer portal situation and the way the decisions that kids make that I, it's just never made any sense to me. So I, I, um, I want to dive into that a little bit with Koki because he's he lives the recruiting game more than I do so I I, I want to we were going to discuss that and maybe a little basketball as well we've got you know so many different things to discuss today and the whole Casper to quitter thing you know I think I remember when Casper first quit Some people gave me a hard time because and disagreed with me that me calling him the quitter. Does seriously, does anybody now, when you see how this thing's playing out, and again, I don't hate him. Like, it's amazing how many people, and again, it's it could be my fault. Like, I don't communicate well enough. But, like my wife, you know, she's with me pretty pretty often. She's been around me for, what is that, 33 years now. Um, and she she's like, why do you want the Broncos to get Sean Payton? You hated him. No, I didn't hate him. Now, I hated certain decisions he made. I, I've screamed and hollered for years at, why does he do this and why does he do this? And, you know, Casper the game management, nightmare ghost, and all that stuff. But she and I, 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 didn't, I never wanted him to leave. And I don't hate him now. Now, if he goes to the Arnolds, then, you know, a line will be crossed there and it will, um, you know, then the, the feelings will be different. But the the idea that some people had, like you want to talk about La La Land, when he had not, when he left, it's amazing that there were people that thought he retired. Like people say he reti- he what he didn't even come close to retiring. Um, you know, he he just like a year from now, a year later. I hope people understand he did not retire. He quit. There, there was no element of retirement in here. He quit. 
The only thing that worries me about the Arnold's thing, and and I heard um, Andrew and Raymond in the last hour. Here's what worries me about the whole Benedict Arnold's thing. Everything they said about the draft capital and and the Saints demand, all of that made sense. But here's the only thing. The Casper the Quitter, for whatever reason, idolizes Stalin, Bill Parcells. And what did Stalin do? He coached the midgets. And he showed that he had zero character. And he went coach the Cowboys. And he's been following that guy. The reason why he left is because of that idiot Stalin. You can't stay somewhere too long. That's the only thing that worries me about this whole Casper and the Arnold situation. Stalin left for the division. No character. None. And uh, that worries me. Um, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if if any issues have come up behind the scenes that none of us know about, I don't know that there is a more petty coach in all of the NFL than Casper to quit. Like, he's as petty as it gets. And again... You know, I don't really care about that. When he was the, the Saints coach, there are times where I wish he would just shut up and coach. But it, it motivates and, you know, it drives him, all that. That's fine. You know, it's silly. And he, he's, you know, I'm not into all that. But, 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 he, but he's as petty as it gets. So hopefully there hasn't been any behind-the-scenes um, tension between I mean, no, there's no, there's nothing that I know of. There's certainly nothing that has publicly been. Although Cameron Jordan, after the Saints final game, kind of made a comment about Casper and how, I mean, kind of, he didn't say it, but kind of insinuated he left the franchise kind of hanging to dry kind of thing. So, um, sold him down the river kind of a thought kind of a backhanded comment. So, again, I hope there's no bitterness, not because I care so much about their relationships, because I don't know that that matters a whole lot moving forward. But, again, Casper's as petty as it comes. I mean, he is the king of petty. And if there's any kind of tension behind the scenes, I wouldn't put above him going to the Ornals. So I'm hoping he's got more class than that. We'll see. We'll see. Now, the Houston Texans thing, when it first came up, most of a lot of us, including myself, were like, oh, there's no way he's going to go ahead. Laughing stock. But we talked about it yesterday. Our perceptions of what's important and what is said, you got to take all that with a grain of salt. Um, and what's funny is, we talked about this several years ago. There, there was some sort of poll, I don't know, done. Five, six years ago, something like that. And, and, and like, the Saints were, like, the Texans fan base, like, most hated team. Like, what? 
We hardly ever play you, and you've crushed us several times. Like, they had that one game where the Saints went to the Texans. I mean, they couldn't even hardly get a pass off. They got completely dominated by the Texans' defensive line. Like, completely dominated. Like, what? And, and I think it's because of the whole – a lot of fans from New Orleans for Katrina went – landed in that in the Houston area. And so there was a lot of bickering back and forth. And the Texans, you know, they've had some good years. They've had more good years than we give them credit for. But – you know, the Saints were really good, and so they probably got tired of hearing about how good the Saints were and all that, so they hate them. But the whole, you know, I don't, I don't. other than that, I just don't understand why Texans fans would even care about the Saints. We're not even the same conference, not even the same division. We don't play every year. Like, I know they do these little scrimmages, and they play them in preseason a lot, but who cares? Preseason. But it's just interesting, you know, if he does end up there because there's supposed fan base hatred for the Saints for whatever illog- stupid illogical reason. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just hope he ends up somewhere just because I don't want another year of questions and uncertainty and worrying and talking about him. It's like I, I've had it with that. I mean, the, you know, the the silliness that he retired a year ago, and the and and the and the breaks that everyone gave him. I mean, I have no problem praising for what he's done while he was in New Orleans, but this idea of all this nostalgia and he retired and oh, I mean, get out of here! What that's all about? You want to talk about gullible? I mean, not foolishness. He quit. It's what he did. He didn't even come close to retiring. So we'll see what happens. But uh, no, the, the, the more you hear about the Texans, it makes way more sense than most of us thought about. But, but again, two things that I don't know for a fact, but worries me. One I just mentioned about the Arnolds and his hero, Stalin. Can you imagine if Stalin was your hero? But anyway, his hero, Stalin... Went from one division team to the other. Didn't think anything about it. And the other thing is, I I just... Now, he doesn't really have a veteran per se in Arnoville either, unless he's high on Sam Darnold. And actually, as I remember, I think he was kind of high on Sam Darnold coming out of the draft, or at least he talked good about him. But, but I don't know that Casper likes rookie quarterbacks any more than I do. I... I've, I never thought of him, boy, he really likes rookie quarterbacks. Now, maybe he, he'll like one of these and, and, and he'll do it, but he always has been a guy, I think, that prefers to have a veteran starting quarterback. So I don't know if the whole idea of drafting a, um, a, a, a quarterback number two overall and riding with that guy is something he's going to be real high on. Of course, they still have Davis Mills, who's young. He might have, you know, he's not like he's a veteran, but he at least has played. Uh, so I, I don't know. That may be – those are the two things that make me say, eh, it may not make as much sense as some people are saying. But the whole idea of – and the only other reservation is, look, Denver might offer him $20 million a year. Like, because that owner wants to make a splash. Like, I don't think football-wise Denver makes a whole lot of sense for him. But – they might just offer him so much money that he can't turn it down. And I don't know that the owners of the Texans are going to offer him 
anywhere near double digit. Maybe they will. I mean, I hope they. If it's what it takes, and they and they're willing to offer him ten million a year, to I, I don't know that they're gonna do anywhere near what they, I I I just can't believe the Texans are gonna give them per year what the Broncos owners probably would. Um. So we'll see, and may and maybe even the the Arnold's owner. So those are the things that got have me worried. But just after hearing Andrew talk about it, it makes me feel a little better because I got to tell you, I've been worried that, that he's going to end up nowhere. And look, they could do it again next year, but I just, I'm just, the last two or three years have been so emotionally draining with the stupidity of everything that has happened from injuries to Mark Ingram to Latavius Murray, just do the basics. You got to have a running back. That's basic. Kicking field goals, that idiot Will Lutz. All of that. Just basic. I'm not talking about rocket science. I'm talking about basics. Just do the basics. They couldn't even get the basics right. With all this, too, I just can't take another year of this uncertainty. I, it's like we, it, I need to get this over with and erase all that junk and move forward. No more at all. What is he going to do? Oh, I don't want to hear all that junk. Got to get it done now. Hopefully it happens. All right. We'll take a timeout. Shift gears. Bring on Cokie Riley and want to discuss – the transfer portal and other things such like with Koki on the other side of this timeout. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you, LSU men's basketball team will try to get back on track against the Auburn Tigers, which is going to be difficult to do. Auburn is 14-3 and overall, but we can pregame for that is 5.30. Tip set for 6 o'clock, and you can hear all the action right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we have with us. Our friend Koki Riley from the USA Today Network. And um, I don't know how much basketball we'll talk. Some big football news. How are you, Koki? Doing really well. How's it going? Well, uh, you know, we're in a transition phase from, you know, covering high school sports as well as college sports and, and even in the NFL into the playoffs and going into the offseason. So it's um, a lot of more off-the-field stuff and off the court stuff taking place than on the field in the court. So how surprised were you with the Walker Howard news and how sure, you know, a lot of people were pretty sure it was going to be TCU. And yet a quarterback going to play for Lane Kiffin uh, doesn't really surprise me. How, how did you, what did you, what was your take on all that? Yeah. Um, I, for a second, I kind of forgot that that happened after uh, our, after last Wednesday's show. Um, so, 
Yeah, with the Walker Howard situation, uh, I, I think I'd be lying to you to say that I wasn't at least a little bit surprised when I heard about that news. Um, I think everyone just sort of feared that Garrett Nussmeyer would most likely be the guy who would uh, transfer out. Maybe eventually, if if any of the three were were to were to leave, just because he seemed like the guy who was most primed to uh, earn a Power Five spot, while also probably not being the starting quarterback next season um if i had to have guessed i would have said all three guys would have stayed the spring and then one of them would have left after the spring um like if you press my head against the wall and and you know told me to make a uh, make a prediction that's probably what i would have said i think that's what most people would have said um and that just ended up not being true but uh, i guess if you think about it a little in a little bit in, i guess in a slightly deeper sense like I don't know if Walker Howard necessarily wanted to, you know, just have another season as the third string sort of scout team guy and then probably not be the starter in 2024 and maybe not even 2025 if Nussmeyer decided to stay and not enter the NFL draft, right? Like that's, that was a real risk. And he definitely, definitely, he definitely seemed like he took um, that and maybe some other things um, pretty seriously and, and uh, decided to depart LSU for Ole Miss. And I mean, as you mentioned though, like, Playing for Lane Kiffin, like that's a that's going to be a really really good thing for his development in his career, and um, maybe Jackson Dart leaves for the draft after this year and he becomes the starter. You know, like there's definitely a pretty realistic path there. So maybe he becomes a starter this year. I mean, it's not impossible that he could push Dart for the starting job. Um, what I don't think it's likely, but there's better chance of him getting some realistic rep, getting some not maybe not realistic but reps, but um, valuable reps uh, this year uh, at Ole Miss and at LSU. All right, so and we discussed it last week, but to me, especially for a quarterback, if you're going to go to a new system, to me, if you don't go through the spring and go into August drills having already have experience and knowing the system and operating yeah. somewhat, to me, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. I, I it makes sense to me if you're going to leave because, like, the Cajun situation, they have three quarterback options too. And as of now, none of them have left. So they're going to go through the spring and make a decision. And to me, if you're really going to transfer, you're hurting yourself by going through waiting until after this. Potentially, yeah. Um, it, it makes things definitely more difficult. Like, I think the spring was extremely valuable for all of those two quarterbacks last year. Um, and I, I think um, I, I think that that logic can definitely be applied pretty much anywhere. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you make later decisions. Sometimes you just need the spring to realize that you're definitely not the person for the job. Then uh, I think we're going to see some of that uh, around the country. Uh, maybe not at LSU. Maybe maybe at LSU, but definitely around the country uh, this upcoming spring. All right. So do you think that it was? What Nussmeyer did in the SEC championship game, or do you think he, it was pretty obvious that he was still behind him even before then? Um, I, I, I would say it was sort of a culmination of just how the entire season went, how uh, how Nussmeyer maybe, maybe viewed in Brian Kelly's eyes. Um, I think at first the fact that Nussmeyer was as close to winning the job originally as, as he did, like I, I think that alone was probably definitely probably didn't help 
um, uh, Walker Howard's chances of staying at LSU. And I, I, I think the way that, again, this is all, this is pure speculation, but um, I, 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 I think that uh, Kelly, and I would imagine at least that Kelly and the staff would, would have been really pushing to keep Walker Howard, to keep, excuse me, to keep Garrett Nussmeyer around just because they sort of want that plug-in starter for 2024 um, once Jade Daniels is gone, and they want someone who who understands the system and um, isn't a, it, and you know it can be like the handcrafted guy uh, for 2024. And, and and I think Walker Howard just was just convinced that there was no way that was going to be him, and that that was going to be Garrett Nussmeyer because. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer could have very easily entered the portal by now. And it's, and I think if you're an outsider looking at this program, you would have been surprised if it, it, to see him still here, given that he is definitely good enough to start at a bunch of these Power 5 schools. He's definitely good enough to start at a place like Auburn, for example. Um, he's, a, he's an SEC quality starting quarterback, even with uh, some of his questionable decision-making. Um, and he almost won the starting job over Jane Daniels, who I, I, who proved this past year that he definitely deserves it. So uh, I, I, I think that Nussmeyer's growth and his ascension, not just in the SEC championship game, but really how steadily it's sort of grown throughout the year, um, I, I think that kind of got to the point where, you know, Nussmeyer only has one less year of eligibility than, than Howard. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's hard to overcome for Walker. All right, so have you heard any talk where that's, there's some sort of narrative which would surprise me because I saw Walker play in high school. I mean, I, I thought he was fabulous, but that he's mm. that he was not as good as maybe they thought? Or, or, or did LSU just have this riches of, of talent at the quarterback position and that's just a pure numbers game? LSU had riches of <laughs> had a lot of talent at the quarterback position, and this is pretty much purely a numbers game, at least in my opinion. I think, well, I mean, I, like you, I watched Walker play in high school at least a, couple, a few times. Um, I think he's a very talented prospect. Uh, he's definitely very, very. Good. He definitely has a chance to be an excellent quarterback at the next level, uh, the collegiate level. I, I, I think that. Yeah, to have it, it suggests that this is because oh, Walker was never very good and blah blah blah. blah. I, I totally, totally disagree with that. He might not quite have the arm strength of Garrett Nussmeyer. He might not quite have like the like the like the raw like um, speed and quickness and athletic ability of, of a guy like Jaden Daniels. But he has a little bit of both, and um, I, I think that yeah, I, I think I, I think it's pretty obvious to see that he's a very talented quarterback at St. Thomas More. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, uh, just right. Otherwise, I think it's definitely at least overthinking it. All right, so here's what, and you're way more in tune and involved in the whole recruiting game. I've never understood the decisions that a lot of kids make. Now, you know, I'm not just talking about Power Five programs, even mid-major programs like. These kids that sign as, say, a quarterback, since we're talking about quarterbacks especially, and, and they're like fourth or fifth on the depth chart, 
and then they transfer out, which makes sense. Like, why did they go there to begin with? I, that happens all the time for me. I, I just don't – have you figured out, like, why do kids do – like, you already have two really good quarterbacks who are not seniors. Why would you sign there? I just – I've never figured that out. Because you have the confidence heading in, coming out of high school and maybe the blind confidence, I should say. And sometimes – you know, there's guys ahead of you, and you end up beating them anyway. Um, and so there's always that potential that there's an injury or that you're just better than the guy and that you can at least become a prominent backup, if not a starter, um, either at the end of year one or throughout year one. So given that, given the fact that that opportunity is on the table, uh, I think kids are going to take it if they hear everything right all the right things when it comes to they develop the right relationships with the coaching staff. They, um, they, you know, they, they just like the university. They've always wanted to play at the university their entire lives, like a guy like Walker. So, um, just, just being, just like trying to put myself in the, in those shoes. Like that's probably what's the, what sort of thought process I would have. Like you want to be at the school you want to be at first before you worry about playing time and I mean, any other sort of, um, politics when it involves the team because you really don't know until you're there. Um, even if from an outsider's perspective, it makes it's, it's easy to say that oh you're oh you're definitely going to be behind so and so and so and so because they're two years there's a two year starter and a veteran right there and uh, right now they're going to play probably play ahead of you but heck you never know so um, yeah I mean these things can be pretty unpredictable sometimes. And now it's it's almost like they're well, I'm signing here, but if it don't work out, I'm going to leave. It's like that's that's that almost to me probably makes their decision easier because they're, you know, some of these guys, especially at the high profile quarterback position, have one foot out the out the door before they even get there. I well, mean, is it that has it gone that far already? It seems that way. Um I think the transfer portal, what it does, I, just to frame it in a slightly different way, I, I think what it does, it just gives them options that, like, oh, if I screw this up or if I don't want to be here, then there's always the portal, you know? So it, it allows kids to be, I guess, a little bit riskier in their thinking, you know? It's not like they they know they're not locked into, like, a four-year contract. You know, this isn't the NBA or the NFL. Um, so they, they don't have to, like, ask for a trade to get out. Uh, they can just get out. So I think with that option being on the table, it allows kids to just sort of really I, I, just sort of be freeing in the moment with their decision. Not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing either way, but I, I think that's my guess is that's what it would be like. All right, so a little bit of basketball since it is basketball season. Man, we didn't know at the time how deceiving that win over Arkansas for LSU was. It's the only uh, Arkansas is one in four. LSU is one in four, and um, that game didn't mean maybe what some of us thought it meant at the time. I still think Arkansas is a quality team. They're dealing with some injuries at the moment, uh, most notably to Nick Smith Jr. He's uh, was the number one prospect in this uh, past recruiting class. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really know what to think of Arkansas exactly. They they may not be quite as good as the team that we thought they were originally, but when they're healthy, when if and when they get healthy, though, that might change. Um, but I, I mean, when LSU played them, they were they were without Nick Smith and some other pieces, and um, LSU 
took advantage of that. Good for them. That you, you play who you play, but at the same time, it doesn't look terribly impressive when you look at the rest of the season. And and I, I think like to me, the, the more concerning sign is the fact that they've regressed since that game. Like there's been no growth, or there really hasn't been much of a stasis in their play. Like I think they've gotten progressively worse since that game. Uh, I, the Kentucky game was arguably their best game just because their offense looked pretty clean in that game. Um, they competed pretty well defensively. Uh, they weren't very good on the boards, but they played pretty well on the boards at the, toward the end of that game where they almost stole it away from Kentucky on the road. Um, Kentucky's not a great team, but they're playing a little bit better lately, lately and they, are, they frankly have more talent than a team like LSU. So, I mean, if you consider all that, it, they got off to a pretty pretty solid start, and then they've only gotten worse since then. I mean, they've had a lot of trouble getting any sort of quality shots off the dribble. They don't really have anyone who can break down teams off the dribble. They don't. Their three-point shootings are pretty poor. They don't really have a rim threat in terms of a, a lob threat, any 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 of that sort of type. Uh, KJ Williams can stretch, can stretch the floor and do a little bit in the post, but – that's probably the biggest threat that they have right now in offense. They're, they're and they don't really move the ball particularly well. So they have a lot of issues on offense, and and I'm having trouble finding positives if I'm being totally honest with you. So that's going to be tough against Auburn tonight. Uh, and Auburn's an excellent defensive team, so that's going to be really really difficult. Not quite as good as Alabama defensively, but they're but they're very very good and. Um, and I mean, LSU's defense, which has been okay, looked really exposed against Alabama. Um, and yeah, I mean, that game was just kind of a disaster. Um, and I don't think I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't think that's an understatement. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what we're, we're going to see tonight, I, I think tonight's going to be very interesting to see like how it goes, how competitive they are and can they even pull off an upset. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time as always very much. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. Take care. Thanks. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. No, again, well, everything Koki said made sense. I just and, – and I don't want to list names, but, like, you, we, you all know. I mean, you, you see whether it's the Cajuns and the Sun Belt level or the SC, these guys that go to programs and they're, like, fourth-string and fifth-string quarterbacks and you, like, why did they go there to begin with? I just, I don't know. I used to call it delusions of grandeur. I, I just, now, I guess it it may all work out in the end and that you learn something and you take that experience and you move on to a different team and it can help you. So I guess it's really not that big a deal. But it just, I don't know, it's just constant, not something I've ever really fully understood. Of course, I've never been a talented athlete and going on a recruiting trip either, so maybe I don't understand the lore that that can have on a on a on an individual as well. All right, we will take a timeout. Come back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers World Series champion, Houston Astros. <laughs> You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Remember the game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111 if you want to discuss, you know, the transfer of portal, the Walker Howard situation, SEC basketball like we talked with Koki or any of the things going on. Casper to quit or any of the other stuff going on in the NFL, certainly feel free to call. Also want to remind you to join the game clubhouse. If you're a member of our rewards club, you have a chance to win all kind of excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen there, perhaps a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, or perhaps $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. Whether it's any of these prizes that you can get regularly, often are unique prizes having to do with certain holidays, like maybe Valentine's Day coming up. Um, you can't win any of them if you don't join the game clubhouse. So do so today, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, so. We um, kind of shifted gears a little bit and talked to a little college sports with Koki. But right now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more. And last week, it went all the way to Friday before we really talked about the matchups. And, you know, you kind of kind of wait and see how that happens. But it's already Wednesday. Still, to me, kind of the stuff that's going on off the field in the NFL is still more interesting. And, you know, when when you watch national shows, you, you kind of get the same, like, they, they spend a lot of time, like, these teams that are lost, like, where are they going next, and the coaching searches. It's all kind of, um, you know, very, very interesting, to, you know, how, how that stuff's playing out. But did you get, uh, yesterday, someone sent me, a, um, I don't know what you call it, like a little report on a text, and now I'm not finding it. Um, but essentially what it said was that the NFL is going to be doing this more, and I also got the sense that it's already kind of starting, which on and what I'm talking about is taking preliminary steps toward having a quote-unquote eye in the sky. Now, for someone like me who's been screaming about this for, I say decades, maybe it's somewhere between a decade to two decades, but maybe decades, like somewhere in that cat, over a decade for sure, Part of my reaction is, what in the world took so long? In other words, like I said yesterday, I'm not really that smart. This is pretty obvious. What took so long? Other than the fact that you don't care about fair play, which has been my theory for my working theory for, for a long, long time now. But um, at least maybe it's a step in the right direction. There's still 
there, you know, there were some really bad calls apparently in games, and of course the Lions suffered from it. You know, as Saints fans, we feel like the Saints have been persecuted over the years, and they have. I mean, it's just statistically they have. It's not impressions. But if there's any team that has suffered more than the Saints, uh, the Lions are probably it. So hopefully, finally, uh, the, the 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 Lions getting the short end of the stick with the officials, with the official officiating and the calls and the NFL rules, et cetera. Um, maybe some, they'll finally start heading in the right direction. Now, they still, I think, are a long way from saying you know, the, the rules that affect fir- the penalties that give automatic first downs are the most damning, the most important, the most influential penalties that there are. And they still don't care about those, even if they get them wrong. They just don't care. Who cares if you get an automatic first down on third and 32? We don't care. We're not interested in fair play. We're not interested in rewarding the team that plays the best on the field. They're not interested in that at all. But um, but at least they've taken some steps. Again, it's it's a hello, McFly. This is not complicated. Should have done this 30 years ago. But at least we can take it. We can take it. All right. We'll take whatever we can get, I should say. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Yes, sir. I got two things for you. Okay. Number one, I was the caller on the phone when we when we determined that Sean Payton quit on the Saints, and he quit on the Saints. Yes. There's zero, you know, banks want to call in and mess with you saying how me and you said the man quit. The man quit. He, yes. He quit. He did not want to, to have to rebuild the program. He quit. Okay? That's yes. first and foremost. Now, number two, let's move on to LSU. So Walker Howard is being recruited by LSU. His father comes there, talks to Brian Kelly. He wants the boy to be redshirted. He didn't want him to go through a four-interception game like the father went through at Auburn. All right, perfectly fine. LSU says that's that that's fine. No 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 problem. He's redshirted. Well, what string did they think he was going to be? Okay, we had uh, Jaden Daniels first string. Nussmeyer had to be second string because he wanted to play in the games. The other boy didn't want to play in the games. His father asked him to, for him to be redshirt, and LSU acquiesced. Then his father wants to come there after, after the uh, season and wants to know how they're going to divide up the number two reps. Hey, buddy, you you the one that wanted to be redshirted. LSU didn't say, well, we're going to redshirt you. Hey, making it look like LSU's that fought here is, is totally 100% incorrect. I mean, oh, no, that, I don't. I don't think. I don't think people are blaming LSU here. I, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't heard that, I, and I certainly haven't well, thought it. It's just a numbers game. Well, don't hey, you think it's a numbers game? Well, you know, Stetson Bennett tossed it out. They told they told him he to walk on at University of Georgia. We don't have a scholarship for him. He walked on and earned his position. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the American way? You're supposed to, you're supposed to uh, earn, earn, earn what you get? I mean, isn't that the American way? You earn what you get? Hey, you know, the man left, the man left. See you later. Hey, you know, you know no hard feelings. As my, as my father said, used to say, they don't want to be at LSU. They don't need to be at LSU. So the ones that don't want to be, see them later. Hey, 
No hard feelings. <laughs> well, but don't, come, well, don't come to LSU and ask to be redshirted and then wonder why you're on the third string. Would you have felt better if he went to TCU or some other uh, makes team outside no the conference? Makes me, hey, makes me no difference. Like I said, if they not at LSU, then, hey, you know, I don't want nothing bad to happen to them, but that that's them. I'm I'm for LSU. What what goes on at uh, other school goes on at other school. I mean, <laughs> Ole Miss never won no SEC West championship. They never won that. They ain't even won the SEC conference. So. They, and then they, they ain't even ever won an SEC West championship. Hey, but if that if that's where you want to go play, go play there. Hey, I'm for LSU. My Lord is live with LSU, but I don't want people to be acting like this is on LSU because it's not. That's fair. That's fair. And Footsie, Footsie, I'm going to tell you this right now. This Sean Payton thing, I am exceptionally concerned that the Saints are going to get a raw deal. Well, I'm concerned as well. I, I'm. I, I think. I think if he does choose the Texans, which when this process started, I said no way. But I can see the logic behind how it could maybe happen. I think they'll be okay. Um, but um, you know, uh, if it's Denver, I, I don't know that. The, you know, I. I Look, as long as I get a first and at least one other pick, I'm going to be happy. Now, I know a lot of other people won't be happy. But I'll be happy as long as they get a first and at least one other pick. Yeah, no, no, that that would be really good. But if it's the Texans, we don't get the 12th pick, and that might be all we get, which that would still be a good pick in my my opinion. Yeah, 12 is twelve is um is certainly I, – I think you could do worse than 12, yes. Yes. So, I think that would be – I think that would be a good pick. And then I saw my draft, footsie. If the Saints, let's just say it works out and he goes to the Texans, you know, okay, so they'll get a pick at number 12. And then in the second round, they need to take a running back, buddy. They need to take a running back that can power it up and run for a yard or two on third down and one, third down and two. I mean, they need to get the best running back possible in my mind. Um, you know, 12 is too early for a back. But, yeah, that that's okay. why. I said in the second round. Right. But that's why I almost wish they'd get someone in the 20s because I think in the 20s you can pick a running back in the first round. Well, they have to get a running back that can gain a yard or two on third. I kind of like Bajon Robinson. Have you ever seen that cat? Where he played at? Texas. I, 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 the only Texas game I saw was when they played Alabama, and I, I guess I didn't pay that much attention to I, th- I think he's good, but we'll see. But I got to take a break. I appreciate the call. I put All right. All right. Bye-bye. We'll take a timeout. There's someone waiting. We might be able to get to him, so please be patient. We'll try to get to you on the other side. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, sir. All right, just a, two quick questions. Uh, out of curiosity, how do you feel about the whole Jalen Rashada situation at Florida? I'm going to hang up after just to hear your thoughts. I find that situation entirely baffling, honestly. I'm also very interested to hear your opinion on how you feel, whatever compensation we get back for Sean Payton. Do you think we're going to draft a quarterback? Or do you think maybe we go maybe another bridge gap quarterback, try to get one the next year since we don't technically have our first this year on the draft? Thanks for, uh, thanks right. for your time. Thanks. 
Well, the Florida quarterback situation, again, that is college athletics in 2023. It's beyond my comprehension that that could be the case. Now, the problem is 30 years ago or even maybe 20 years ago, you would play hardball with that kid. But in today's world of college athletics, how can you set a precedent of we're going to that's a program or that's a coach that, you know, they're not out for you. You know, if you give them a curveball, then they're going to play hardball with you. I don't know that you can have that reputation um, in, in today's world of college athletics where you can just leave on the drop of a hat. So I, I don't know. that That is a brutal situation. I, I think they got to just let him go. I mean, I, I mean, I... It's a it's a dirty business. I've said for years, college athletics is way dirtier than professional sports. The behind the scenes stuff is not pretty in a lot of instances, and, and it's I, I don't I don't I don't. If you're going to play the NIL game, you got to play it. To me, I mean, I'm not saying it's great, but it is what it is. I mean, it's like the price of poker, as they say. And so I I think they gotta I think they just gotta. Let him go if he wants to go. I just don't – I think the days of, you know, I get the, all the loyalty and the commitment stuff. I, I, I believe all that. But that's not what college athletics is right now, especially at that level. You can't develop a bad reputation. So I, I, that is an awful situation, but I don't know what else they're going to do. I mean, that's just – as far as the Saints, I still think the Saints prefer to have a veteran quarterback. So I still think it's more likely that they're going to go out and try to get a Derek Carr than draft some rookie. But a lot of that could depend on how high in the first round they get a pick. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. All right, so I meant to bring this up in the last hour the 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 poll question for Raymond show was what it was what do you prefer to eat your peanut butter with itself jelly chocolate or other now this this was brought up to me by my um candy corn friend ah the candy corn friend I miss him yeah he he hasn't he, he needs to come up with a different uh like a Valentine's Day version of candy corn or something. Man. I don't know if that exists. I don't know cuz what do you eat and can you know for candy corn it just be like chocolate type flavors or like a caramel because oh, yeah, so that, you really eat is just chocolate that and That might sweets. be good though. Yeah. But like they have like straw you can get the little shawls with with strawberry and orange and the different flavors in it. Yeah, I guess. 
I still prefer the Thanksgiving and the taco truck ones. Those were still bomb. Oh, no, those are real good. But anyway, his uh, his new, new thing Don't is worry. I love your- is peanut bird peanut butter on a burger. Have you ever done that? I've seen they have it at Fat Pat's. They have the peanut butter burger, but I, I don't. Is that I don't overthinking know. it? To me, that might be overthinking. I think so, a little bit. Peanut butter on a burger. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Mm-mm. Would you put peanut butter and jelly on a burger? No, that's too much of sweet, salty, spicy. Uh, no, uh, uh-uh. nope. Well, I would put. I put. I've I've eaten jelly with eggs before. Eggs and bacon. So is there really that big of a difference between a bur- eating jelly with bacon and eating jelly with burger? Uh, I think it's different because of the this the way the meat is. I guess if that makes sense. I don't think I would do it, but I, I just I, I thought I would throw this burger thing into it since we since we had brought up the peanut butter stuff yesterday. Yeah, I don't think I would. I only could do the burger. I think it's just a difference between. What the meat is. I mean, beef comes from, burger comes from like a cow, but bacon comes from like a pig. So, I, I mean, that makes it different, I guess. I prefer just lettuce, tomato, onions, mustard, mayo. No cheese. I'm not a slave to cheese like y'all are. I love my, some uh, cheese on a burger. Especially a juicy burger. No dry burgers. I don't know. No well done burger. I mean, good medium, medium rare burger. Uh, medium well. No. I'm a medium well person. I forgot right? you're friends with Matt. Y'all are uh, friends. Y'all eat the medium uh, well burger. I'm a medium well person. All right. I just wanted to make sh- throw to throw the burger idea out there. All right. Uh, again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. All right. So we talked a lot about Casper and all his situation and where he might go. But I want to take a half a step back there. I I had a long, you know, one of these debates. I'm sure y'all do it too. You have a friend or a group chat, and you get in these debates, and you are passionate about it, and it goes on and on, and sometimes it goes on for weeks or months or in some cases years, (laughs) depending on what the subject is. And the subject of this debate, was our head coaches, essentially it was, our head coaches were first-round picks. Are players way more important than coaches to a team's success? Um, And I was, I don't think all picks are necessarily worth a, a coach. But I think the vast majority of first-round picks are. And obviously, you got to have a good team or the coach. It's not going to matter. If you don't have good players, it's hard to win. But one first-round, like one individual first-round pick is not more important than a head coach. Now, if that one first-round pick is, and this is my opinion. Now, again, the guy I was going back and forth with on this, he disagreed with me vehemently. 
So I like I'm bringing this up because I I'd like to see what y'all like. Do most people? I think most people are on my side, but I don't know because this is a QW area that we're in. Like everyone loves the QW. Got QWs everywhere. They love the quarterback. Now I guess you could argue that a really good head coach is not worth a generational quarterback. I'm still not convinced that all the guys that are at the top right now that are still left are all generational quarterbacks. Some of them look like they're going to be. Um, but if you have a quote-unquote generational quarterback – then I could see where you would say, well, that's just, I, there's no way I'm giving that up for a. But like the guys that were picked, uh, I'd have to go back and look because my mind is gone. But like, I think Sauce Gardner as a cornerback's got a chance to be pretty special, got a chance to be a multi time all pro player. But even some of these defensive linemen that were picked in the top 10, some of these offensive tackles that were picked in the top 10, do you really believe? I'm not saying they're not important because they are. But are they more important than the head coach? In other words, would you not trade Evan Neal, for instance, for the head coach? You need Evan Neal. Like, you need a good offensive tackle. The difference the difference between Evan Neal and a second-round offensive tackle is that larger than the difference between Brian Dayball and the other clown show coaches the midgets have had over the last decade. Or maybe not decade, but five or six years. I just, you know, Brian Dayball made the comment Monday, I think it was, that uh, if you put him on water, he's going to sink. In other words, he's not a miracle worker. He's not, um, you know, something higher, some higher form of human being. And he's absolutely accurate of that. I mean, he looks terrible. <laughs> Guy looks terrible. By the way, if y'all, this new crop of coaches, and some of them have made nice impacts. And I, I, if the Saints got them, I would like them. But boy, they don't pass the eye test. This cat Dayball does not pass the eye test. The the cat at Miami does not pass the eye test. I think he's a good coach. And I, you know, again, a couple of weeks ago when um. You know, some people were suggesting on, online that the Dolphins were thinking about tri- uh, firing him. I'm like, are you crazy? Now, did he did he botch? It seems like he botched the situation at Buffalo, but that's not a reason to fire a coach to me. Like, if you think the coach is headed in the right direction, you just have to hope he learns from a scenario like that. In other words, that that's in his mind, and the next time he's in that situation, he does better. Um, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you fired a coach for that. But boss, some of these new head coaches, they don't pass the eye test at all. When you look at me, like, oh, I wouldn't pick that guy. But they've obviously had really nice impacts on their on, on their on their um, respective teams. So, I think the point of all this is that a head coach is worth a first round draft pick. But there are a lot of people who are player guys who who would not who did not would not agree with me. Now again, if if you're absolutely sold that one of these quarterbacks is going to be a generational talent, then and you had the number one or number two pick, and you thought you were going to get this guy. Is Trey Lance a generational talent? Look at what the cheaters gave up for Trey Lance. Is that cat ever going to play? Zach Wilson. What was Trey Lance pick number three overall? Was he three or four? I think he was three. Is that guy ever going to play? Zach Wilson, is he ever going to play? I mean, he's played some, but not really. Because I really think the Jets are going to go out and get a veteran quarterback. Like, is Zach, how many, how many more games is Zach Wilson going to start for the rest of his career in the NFL? He might get on, he, you know, some team who really needs a quarterback, like maybe the Saints, um, could give him a second chance, kind of like, you know, years, you know, a year or two from now, like a Geno Smith kind of scenario. And then he turns out to be pretty good if he works hard. I guess that's possible. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I think coaches, I think a good head coach, if you're sold on him. Now, there's, there's a, I'm not saying do it for like a retread. I'm not talking about retreads. Um, I'm talking about, yeah, Trey Lance was third. Zach Wilson was second. Justin Fields, nines. Justin Fields, Mac Jones, those cats. Maybe Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is, I still think there's a little bit, I'm not totally sold that Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. But but the other guys that were picked in the first round, I don't know those guys. None of those guys are worth a good head coach. I, I just I don't think they are. So I, I I think it makes sense. I also think that's why the Saints need to, to the point that other people are making, play hardball to a certain extent. I mean, you can't you don't want to, as you say, cut off your nose despite your face. That old cliche, whatever that means. Um, but you don't want to go too far where you hurt yourself. In playing hardball, but you have to. I mean, a, a good head coach is worth a lot. Go ask the Giants fans. If you don't believe that, go ask the Giants fans. If having a good head coach that brings a team together, and think about it, we look at. And I thought Arians was questionable in a lot of ways, things that he did, but you look at the Yucks roster; it is not that different at all compared to the roster they had last year. It's not. It's not that different. 
Like they've got they even have more receivers receiving talent. They had more talent at receiver. Now they were injured a little more, but they had more talent at receiver than they had the year before and the year before that. More. They got Gage and Jones. They had more talent at receiver than they had the year before. And yet the offense was terrible. They had essentially the, the same running backs or the same I mean, they had some injuries, but but they essentially had the same running backs. They had the same two premier linebackers. They're, you know, they they, they still had the uh, a Pro Bowl level defensive nose guard, which the Saints wish to have. The Saints had Vita Vea. I mean, this, I think they'd run away with that division. Forget about quarterback. If the Saints had Vita Vea, I think they'd run away with that division. The Yucks had him. There's not that much personnel difference between this team and last team, year's team. But you got a new head coach. The dynamic's different. Brady wasn't there, you know, for most of the offseason. They didn't click as a team. What I'm saying is the that chemistry level that a coach can bring in, especially when he first gets there. Again, I've said it many times. I hate – I'm sick of hearing that word culture, but – but I'm sick of hearing it because people use it because it's. I think it's true. You got to have that. In other words, there was something missing with the Yucks this year and with the Saints this year that their strong-minded head coaches that left with, the, with Arians and Casper, that even though the personnel overall wasn't all that different, wasn't that dramatically different, something left. There's just, I don't know, it's the killer instinct or, you know, again, I've said before, I think the biggest things that left with Casper is whatever he did to stay on the ball carriers to make them not fumble, that left. Like, they fumble like crazy now. It's like they just, well, you want to, you cough it up, huh? It's kind of, you watch these movies and, and, and they tie you up in a chair and it taught you to give up the information. Well, when, when Casper was there, they took a pretty good beating before they gave up the information. Since Casper left, the Saints ball carriers, they don't even have to bring out the whip first. They, you, you put them in a chair, oh, they just give up the information. It's just like right away. Like they, fumbling's nothing now. It's, you know, the, the fumbling issue, which was an epidemic for the Saints this year. That, that never ha- – I mean, I'm not saying they never fumbled. They have fumbled some before. That's why every time they get the ball in the open field, I scream, go down! Because I still have nightmares from when – we don't call him Plastic Man anymore – when Michael Thomas fumbled those two balls and that loss to the Broncos is what was that, his rookie year, I think. But, so, you know, we, we all know a tight end fumbled against the Yucks a couple years ago. We, we, we remember, although, I'm not saying they never fumbled, but nothing like this year was. I mean, them cats gave up the information. The minute, you don't even have, you didn't even have to tie them up with the rope. You just show the rope in the chair, and these cats were giving up the information this year. So there was something there that made him not as mentally tough. And, I, you know, it's got to – I mean, the coach has to have something to do with that. Has to. There, there was something different about the dynamic there. And so 
I do think a coach is worth almost any first-round pick a coach is worth. Even a number one pick. Was a coach worth Russell Maryland? He was the number one overall pick. I think the coach is worth it. Now, some number one or number two overall picks, maybe not. But I think most of them are. All right. I know we're a little long, but we'll take a time. No, we'll take a um, go to the hotline, and then we'll take our first time out. Hello. But Good morning. Uh, my opinion, I, I don't think Sean Payton's coaching anywhere next season. I think he, he's going to be back in the, in the conversation. Now, why are you trying to depress me? I've, I, I've been feeling that way all week. And then this morning, I you know, I started saying, you know, maybe I'm just being too fearful. And he's re- Andrew got me thinking good, and now you're bringing me down again. Because... Because I'm, 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 I'm stressing, too, so, I mean, I'm not going to stress alone, you know? Okay, that's fair. But uh, but my question is, what's going on in Indianapolis, man? Why didn't he even get, give Jim Harbaugh an interview, man? Isn't that where he played his, uh, his NFL career? Well, he played with the I Bears mean, and the coach, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, and Michigan's done, but just keep, take, keep taking him back. Keep taking him back. Keep taking him back, you know? I mean... I don't know. Well, Cat, he I just beat Ohio that. State again. They loving him right now. Boy, boy, yeah, you know, but I just thought that was kind of strange. I think he'd be a good fit for Indianapolis, you know. If they, but I don't know. Maybe they just want to keep signing washed-up quarterbacks and keep losing. I don't know. But uh, I'm trying to keep my head up how I mean. I mean, uh, you won. What you, what you worried about? I'm worried about the 49. Oh, that, no, that's fair. That that that's fair. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like your chances of winning that game. No. I I, I, I actually do like my chances because I mean, uh, like I keep saying, um, Brock Purdy really ain't played a lead defense since he started in the NFL. That that that, is the, that is true. You know, I mean, we're gonna pressure him, but I, unlike Tom Brady, Brock Purdy can step up and 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 run the ball if he's under pressure. You know, that's the only thing that bothers me. And I mean, it's gonna be a good game, but I think uh, now that we got the monkey off our back with about you know all the pre- I think all the pressure's on them because they win it. They they on a win streak right now, and you know the media's on about Brock Purdy and everything. And meanwhile, we just kind of sitting low, hanging low, and you know I mean it's gonna be a good game, but I think we can pull it off. You know. Well, we we, we will see. All right, buddy. Thanks, thanks for, for the call. call. Oh, Martin, I hope Martin's wrong. I hope he. I just want to get it over with. I know it could happen next year, but I don't want to wait. I don't. I, I don't want. I want to get that done and move on. And I just. I don't. I. I don't. I. I don't have time to. I don't have the patience for that right now. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back for more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you if you would like to have fun like us at Delta Media and you're looking for a career change, especially if you're looking for a career change, and you have any type of sales experience, like can you convince someone that peanut butter is good on a burger? That's salesmanship. Um, I might try it. I don't know that it didn't seem like Hannah's going to try it, but I think I might try it. But if you have any type of sales experience from retail, telemarketing, and anything in between, Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director, Johnette Cochran at jcochran, J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N, at deltamediacorp.com, or give her a call at 896 160 Zero. All right. So we've talked a lot about, look, it, Casper the quitter and uh, that's going on. We talked a lot today about the Walker Howard situation and transfer portals, especially when it has to do with quarterbacks in general. So certainly if you have any thoughts on any of those subjects, uh, Martin brought up the, the, the matchup between the Cowboys and the Cheaters, man. It just, I don't even like thinking about that game. Because for most of my life, you know, I have some really bad memories. The throwaway, uh, I, you know, that was a nightmare. The throwaway. Um, that was awful. And, you know, if they, and, and the thing that most people forget about the throwaway game is that if they would have just blocked Stucky, I think Septien was going to win the game. It would have been 30-20. to 20. The final score that game should have been 30-28 Cowboys. Just block Stucky. Because they hit Drew. I think it was over there. They got to about midfield. People forget about that. That, game, that The throwaway miracle did not win the game. They Stucky Sack won the game because they hit Drew over the middle. Got to about midfield. I think I, you know I think Septian was going to win the game. They get about twenty more yards. <sighs> Couldn't block Stucky. So I got you know and stupid Deion Sanders going to the cheaters legitimizing Steve Young when they shouldn't have done it. When they, when they, look, their red and puke brown uniforms were bad, or, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like them. But they're way better than that, that when Dion went over there and they were, I don't know what they were wearing. These shadow black just embarrassed their franchise with those uniforms. So, no, I got a lot of bad memories of the Cowboys and the Cheaters, especially over there. But uh, so I, 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 even if I'm not busy, there's no way I'm watching that game. So I don't even want to think about that matchup. But I don't I, – I'm, it's, look, it's very possible that what Martin said is accurate. It's po- I don't know about very, but it's possible. That Brock Purdy is a mirage, and he he's just took it. He's on a good team, and he's t- he's taking advantage 
of some bad defenses and that the minute they really put some pressure on him, then um, they're going to get to him. But one of those supposed bad defenses was the Dolphins, who just took it to the Bills. Like, they put a lot of pressure on Josh Allen, forced him into, you know, multiple turnovers. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I don't really think that's the case. I don't think Brock Purdy's like, you know, the second coming of some Hall of Fame quarterback. But he's obviously got something about him. And he like if Brock Purdy came in and played for the Chicago Bears, we wouldn't think he was any good at all. He's playing for arguably the best team and the hottest team in the NFL right now. Arguably the most complete team on paper of any team in the NFL right now. So it's not really that difficult to look good if you if you have something about you. But he's still handling the pressure of the situation. So it's possible Martin is correct. And the Cowboys, who can pressure you, are going to put pressure on him and make him cry. Now, the other thing that Martin said that was very astute, and if you're a Cowboy fan and you're getting a lot of confidence from how they played against the Yucks, forget about that. Forget about that. They're not going to be able to play the cheaters the same way that they played the Yucks and get away with it. Totally different. It's just like when the Saints play a backup, uh, uh, not a backup, a um, a pocket-passing quarterback instead of one who can run a little bit, then it's totally different. Totally different. That's why... You know, the Saints competed with the cheaters with a depleted roster. But but I don't I still think if they played the Eagles and they played a multi you know, when they played the Ravens when Lamar Jackson, they they didn't even come close to competing. That was a complete mismatch. They don't match up with those kind of quarterbacks at all, which is why I want Lamar Jackson nowhere near the Atlanta Falcons. Nowhere near him. The Atlanta Falcons. So, completely different. So, if you're a Cowboy fan and you're getting your confidence because of how they played against the Yucks, I think that's fool's gold confidence. Now, if you can give me a good reason other than that game to say they match up with the cheaters, I'll listen. But if, well, look at what they did against it. No, that, that that means nothing. That has nothing to do with this game. Nothing. The matchup is not the same. Not the same situation. Not the same matchup. Not the same scenario. It, it, has, it means nothing what they did in Tampa on Monday. In my opinion. So, I, you know, I, I understand the Cowboys played well and they won the game and they looked good. Now, offense, maybe. Although, we can talk about what Brock Purdy has faced. Much of the numbers that the Cowboys have put up on offense the last years are not against defenses like they're fixing the face. So that that whole level of competition thing that people are spinning, I, I, I think that goes both ways. And look, I don't think the Yucks have a terrible defense. Their defense is better than their offense. But it's not 
as good as the Cheaters' defense. So um, I didn't really plan on discussing that matchup that much, but since Martin called and brought up those ideas, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really like their chances. Uh, I don't think most people like the Jags' chances either. Um, Bengals Bills, man, that just that game, and 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 you know the Giants and the Eagles. Giants are playing good, solid football right now. The Eagles haven't really. The Eagles might have peaked too early. You believe in that? I I I have that thought in my mind that the Eagles might have peaked too early. I like the Giants in that game way more than I thought I would have six weeks ago. If you told me six weeks ago Giants are going to play the Eagles in the playoffs, I'd have said, hmm, I don't, I don't think they're going to win that game. I like that matchup way more for the Giants now than I did five, four weeks ago or, or six weeks ago. Uh, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the Eagles are playing at that level that they were at midseason. I think they might have peaked too early. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, shift gears a little bit, talk to Cajun women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead on the other side of this timeout on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. It just hit me listening to that last little rejoin, as Hannah tells me it's called. Um, if Casper the Quitter goes play for the Arnolds, I don't think I'm going to be the only Saints fan calling him the Benedict Arnolds anymore. All right, let's go to the game hotline where we have UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead on. How are you, sir? Doing great, Kev. How about you? Oh, I don't know. It's too uh, it's too early. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So I've been knowing you a long time. And for the first, I don't know how many years that I knew you, I never, if someone would have said, give me a word to describe, like give me one, you know, the top three words for describing Coach Broadhead's personality, I don't think I would have used patient as one of them. And yet lately <laughs> – your patience has been very impressive to me. Kevin, uh, it takes a lot of therapy these days. <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing therapy, man. I'm not going to lie, man. I got the best therapist in the country, and she's changed me to be more patient. That is, I mean, she, I'm getting my money's worth. I'm getting my money's worth. Because... <laughs> I mean, um, you are you you have like all through this process, you know, you're not shooting well or this play you like just you're basically saying just be patient. We're just trying to build towards March and you know, you've always talked a lot about March, but the the patience and we're starting to see some of the rewards of that patience right now, it seems like, in the last three games. 
You know, I think, yeah, you're right. You know, and I, you know, we always talked about March, but you know, the, uh, we were, you know, we would get kind of antsy and all that the years before. But uh, I do feel, I, I really feel comfortable that we have the right people in place. You know, just we just got to get them to play together, and and uh, and and for them to be more, I'm, I'm as confident as I could be in these kids. You know, and that's gr- a great thing. But then it has to come from them too. You know, and so. You know, and we're not talking, you know, I know you used to hear a player-led, you know, we're kind of helping them to lead a little bit right now. So, you know, it's, it's been fun. You know, I'm having a lot more fun than I did when I was younger as a coach, though. So, you know, I love being be, being here at UL, but also the, the possibilities are, are there, you know. Can we put it together? It's a challenge, you know, when you're not playing well and not shooting well. It's a challenge as a coach to try to find ways to, to motivate them to do it. You know, I think uh, – and then you know you get older, you get a little bit more, you know, um, a little bit smarter, I think, and, and and a little bit more patient. All right, so Coach Deacon Jones has been with you a long time. Took your place in the Monday weekly press conference, and he did a good job of pointing out something that we've discussed before. But if it's not brought up regularly, you as fans and media members, sometimes we kind of forget about it a little bit, and that is. It, it, it's something that I always say. It's not who you play so much as when you play him. In other words, if you're going to play Troy on a weekend, you're much better off playing Troy on the Thursday than the Saturday because you still got to prepare for the Thursday team or you could get beat, obviously. And, and then, it, you know, you need more time. So this week, it kind of works in your favor if you look at the standings. ODU is a lot better in the standings than Arkansas State, and you're playing them on the Thursday as opposed to the Saturday like against Troy. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, that's something that I, I guess I never really looked at because I can't control it. I mean, we couldn't even control the beginning of this conference season for nine years and where we had the games. So I'm just lucky that we we at home. I look at it that way. You know, we got two games at home. Wow, man, this is awesome. Uh, instead of getting one on, you know, one at home and getting on the road and have to go play Troy on that Saturday. So, yeah, that's just tough. You know, it's just – but he's right in a way, you know. If you had a – you know, if you could kind of draw up your own schedule, that would be some of the things that you would look at to uh, to try to make it better for your team. So, yeah, and, and hopefully it, it works out for us. You know, you just never know. Sometimes you play better on the Saturdays, you know. It's just like – you don't know, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, we were travel partners with ULM for a lot of years, and a lot of those teams would play on Thursday against ULM, and 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 their starters would play half the games, you know, because they were blowouts, and then they get to us and they fresh, and you know, we played somebody, their travel partner, and we had to play the whole forty minutes, and sometimes in overtime. So yeah, all those things kind of come into play, you know, especially when you're doing like us, you know, we're playing like. Seven, eight players, nine players, you know. You you know, they're getting a lot of minutes. All right. The other thing that as the season goes on, I'm starting to notice, you've talked a lot about trying to play inside out, even though you don't have a tie Ducey on the inside. The issue with that is it's starting to look like, although I think Kyra Wren has really improved as an offensive player. She's looking to score a little more and, you know, we've seen her score in the post a few times when before she wouldn't even think about it. And but your two post players have shown potential, but they're not making free throws. So how how much of a problem is it with that inside out approach win and you want them to be more aggressive and yet Stewart and Wren are not that they're like your two worst free throw shooters? How much does that complicate things? 
Yeah, it does. You know, so, you know, against Texas State, they were pressing us, and we'd like to get the ball to the middle, and we were getting it to Ren, and they were following her, and I think she was two for eight. So I just moved her. I moved her somewhere else, you know. Uh, so you got to kind of, you got to be kind of ready to do some of that. But the other thing was on Monday night, I was with the old coach from UIB. Not, he's not old, he's a young coach from UIB. He's at Southern right now. And we were talking about misses, and he said, well, you need to do with us. We X out, man. We X out. We plan to miss. And so we go X out on, and we go block out on the opposite side. So we're getting rebounds off the, off the missed free throws. I'm like, dang, I learned something tonight. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to put that in <laughs> when Ren's shooting the ball or Stewart's shooting the ball. And hopefully we're going to get some of those offensive boards. But, uh, <laughs> and then the other thing is they just got to work on it, you know, get their confidence. Uh, Ren, I, I found out this week that Ren goes and she goes to the line. She wants to hurry up and shoot because she's nervous. The longer it takes, the more nervous she gets. Yeah. And so I told her that's the wrong approach. I said, you you got to take your time. I mean, if, you, if you're in a rush, you're never going to make free throws. So we talked about I'm, I'm a big component. If you shoot under – 70%, you got to do it my way. You got to do three dribbles, look up at the goal, shoot, simple, simple. Routine like playing golf, putting. You know, everybody, Tiger Woods, and they all have their routine. I make them have my routine, and it's going to help her. And she looked really good yesterday shooting them, you know. Seward's problem, Seward's problem is her hands are big, and she wants to palm the ball when she shoots, and she needs to kind of quit doing that. We need to correct some of that stuff to make it, because she can really kind of shoot it. She just, uh, the free throws with that palming of the ball is not a good thing. It's kind of like shot. I mean, to me, if you think if your hands are big, you know, it's it's like it's like me or you or someone who has smaller hands like me, like trying to shoot an egg or a tennis ball. It's just, you you just can't do it yeah. with any kind of consistency. No, you're right. Yeah, and and really, the ball should come off your fingertips. You know, it shouldn't be on your palm at all. You know, and that's one of the things that she does that I really noticed. You know, she gets involved in. Her hands are nice size, and we talked about it. And when she does it, you know, when she gets it on her fingertips, she's pretty good at it, but then she doesn't feel comfortable with it yet. So when the game, she goes back to her old way. All right, so tomorrow you play ODU, and um, ODU is, you know, one of the top probably five or six teams in the league in the upper division. It seems like if you could get this win and take care of, you know, because you're playing a team tied for last doesn't mean you're going to beat them. You still got to play. But if you can get this win, it seemed like it could begin to get you over the hump. How big is this game tomorrow for y'all, do you think? So I think it's big because I picked them to win the league. You know, I thought they were going to be the team to beat with their size and everything that they did. Uh, so, you know, you're playing, yeah, one of the better teams in the league. Uh, you get to play them at home, so you got to take advantage of it. And they, they remind me of uh, us a lot. You know, they defend fairly well, and you know, they're they're four players, their best players. You can score and and rebound, kind of like Tamara, maybe a little bit stronger. And uh, you know, they got a guard like Lene that can score. You know, Lene played there. Right. You know, that's where she transferred from, so she knows a little bit about them, and you know, and, and what they try to do and all that. And she's kind of saying it's kind of a Kind of the same thing that we what we do, you know. And watching film, it seems, you know, I know Chris Deacon's got the scout, and he was commenting uh, how he feels that they're a lot like us. You know, they play a lot like us. The turnover. They're holding people to 60 points a game. We we holding people to 50-something. So, it's you know, it's, it's similar, you know. They're trying to keep people low scoring. And, you know, and I, I've noticed a couple of games that, was, I mean, we, we scored 80 or more, 79 against Troy. But, you know, you can't consider that a 
as far as letting you score and in, in South, uh, I mean, Georgia Southern is the same way when, um, you know, I think, uh, Old Dominion scored 70 something, 80 points. So, you know, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's not too boring of a game, but I think it's going to be a defensive game. Well, as long as you score more points, it'll be the people pulling for the Cajuns <laughs> will, right. will, will, will be okay. All right, Coach, well, I appreciate your time as always. Good luck. Uh, see you tomorrow night. All Good right, luck. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. All right. Take care. Take care. Okay. When I looked at what I was going to say was when I looked at the defense, the turnover stats, they were ident- almost identical, like .2 off from each other, like the almost the exact identical, the amount of turnovers they average and the amount of turnovers their opponents average. So turnovers could be a big part of that game as well. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you if you have and utilize Amazon Alexa or Google Home Speaker, whether you got it for Christmas or just have it and you like to make your life easier, you include radio as one of those categories. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, with you home office wherever you go. All right, I know we um, sometimes we talk about food, and I brought up this peanut butter on the hamburger thing earlier. But he, he, here's what I'm trying to figure out whether I actually try this or not because I, I'm not a, like, do I eat cheese on burgers? Yes, I've eaten cheese on burgers my whole life, and I like it. But normally, if some if I get a burger, I say I want everything on it, and they say, "Do you want cheese?" and I say, "No." I've always thought that cheese doesn't play well with others. It dominates, and so you don't get the full great taste of all the vegetables that you do when you have cheese on your burger. So I I normally say no to cheese because I'm not a slave to cheese like I like to say. So my question is this. Um, My question is this. Does does peanut butter play better? In other words, is Peanut butter going to dominate the taste of the burger like cheese does or dominate it even more where I won't taste everything else? I think it depends on how much you put on it. Like, if you don't put a whole lot on it, I think it will dominate it. I think it will just add to it. But if you put a lot of peanut butter, like, if you put them out, much as you put, like, a piece of tomato, how thick tomatoes are on burgers, if you put that much of it, I don't think it's going to taste good. I think it will overpower the meat and the seasoning and stuff like that. So you almost have to treat it like a barbecue burger. Like sometimes if you eat a barbecue burger, there's, you don't really put all the vegetables on. It's just the barbecue sauce and the burger. So yeah. you, it's almost be like peanut butter and bacon, I guess. If you, yeah. I don't ever put bacon on a burger, too, because bacon doesn't play well with others either. Y'all oh, no, like I, selfish I like, food. I like me a good bacon on my burger. I don't put a bacon, bacon on a burger. burger. Bacon does not play. It's like cheese. It's too... It's they're ball hogs. They they want all the attention on themselves. You gotta. I like food that plays well with others. Yeah, but they probably don't make free throws either, don't they? Yeah. They make free throws. They make kicks. Well, I'll tell you what. If you make free throws and free, free, if you make your free throws and your field goals, I give you a lot of leniency. Like, I mean, I don't even care what your grades are if you make free throws and, and field goals. ground balls. Yeah. yeah. And don't hit ground balls with runners in scoring position. And yeah, I agree with that. All right. I might try it. We'll see. Y'all have a nice day.